Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. Songwriter by the name of Joan Osborne, who wrote a song that asked the question, What if God was one of us? And the song went on to sort of go through a couple different scenarios. What would it be like to see God's face? What would it be like to ride on the bus with him? And it was an interesting, provocative song, but really it's an old idea. Because according to the word of God, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus stepped onto planet Earth, God has been among us. And once and for all, God desires to be with us. And today, that's the main thing I want you to hear, just starting here at the very beginning. We've got people coming from lots of different walks of life, lots of places in the city, lots of places in their life. And no matter where you come from today, I want you to know that above everything else, God wants to be with you. And that's the beauty of this faith. That's the beauty of this God. Today we're continuing in this message series called Shocking Jesus, as I mentioned a moment ago, and I'm so excited about it. It's been really thrilling. We saw in John chapter 1 that Jesus never claimed just to be good. He always claimed to be God, and that was the game changer. We continue to witness him as he went along doing some miracles, but like encountering people face-to-face in very human, very real ways, that every person who met Jesus was a bit shocked by their encounter with him. And I wonder what it would be like for you today to really, to really encounter Jesus. And that's what I've loved about this book, this book of John, as we're getting to together encounter Jesus. We saw in John chapter 3 where Jesus met a man by the name of Nicodemus, where we have one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, where Jesus says, here's the secret to life. It's not more money, although more money is nice. It's not a better house, although that's good too. It's not like a deeper sense of inward peace, although that's part of the package. The real secret to existence on planet Earth is not just to be born, but it's to be born again. It's realizing you on your own are never going to measure up to God himself, that God has come for you, that Jesus has come. He has paid your price. He's paid the sacrifice so that if you believe by his power, you can be changed we saw in John chapter 4, as Jesus meets someone on the, er, the outskirts of society, and we see that Jesus comes for people just like that. No one has to cl- climb their way to God. God comes to us, and that's so beautiful. And today we're going to find ourselves in one of my favorite places, John chapter 7. I can't wait to dig in this text. And as I say every single week, I can't get to every verse because there's so much scripture. But the best thing you could do for yourself is to go home and read John chapter 7 today. It's going to blow you away. Uh, There's no way I can do true justice to it, but we'll do our best today. But Cayenne did just such an amazing job reading one of my favorite passages of scripture. And so we're going to work our way there. So let me Um, give you just a bit of pastor's background. While you're flipping there, I'll tell some stories. So I think we as a church would consider ourselves, most people here, to be pretty non-traditional. Like if I did a poll in the room to say, if you consider yourself to be very traditional, maybe a few hands would go up. If I said, if you consider yourself to be non-traditional, we probably have way more hands. In fact, we already have some in the room. I didn't really even want you to, but you're so proud of being non-traditional. 
Yeah, I think I would be in the same category. Um, I moved here from the South, and people said, did you experience culture shock when you moved to Portland? And I said, yes, I experienced 32 years of culture shock, and then I finally came and I found my people. Um, there you go. Thank you, Mike. You can preach along with me. So, but I, you know what I realized is when it comes down to it, we really do all have some traditions, like even myself, that we hold on to that become really important to us. And growing up, our traditions really came out around the holidays. Like we're moving out of summer, which means one thing, the pumpkin spice latte is coming out at Starbucks and then you know what's going to happen. It's going to be Christmas time. We're right on the brink. I can hear the jingle bells now. And uh, my family and I, we are not very um, outdoorsy people. In fact, we are very indoorsy. Uh, We are ill-equipped to survive on our own in the wilderness. Um, My dad just didn't raise us around like hunting and fishing and camping. Um, So the one thing that we sort of did in the wilderness each year is um, around Christmas time, we went to a Christmas tree farm and we would cut down our own tree. And by that, I mean the five boys in the family would watch dad crawl under a tree and cut it down and like sort of take photos and post them um, online and text them to our friends. And uh, the best part of this tradition wasn't even the tree cutting. It was the snacks on the way. We would always stop at this dumpy gas station, and I got the same thing every time. I got a Yoo-Hoo, delicious. Is it milk? Is it water? I don't care. Um, It's good. And a bag of Funyuns. And so you're eating the Funyuns, you're drinking the Yoo-Hoo, your belly's rejecting it. It's awesome. And you have what can only be described as Christmas breath. I just call it my Christmas breath. Well, this was a tradition that I had until I got married and I realized, okay, my dad did all the work. And so um, Andrea and I cut down our own tree the first year. And the next year, we learned that Home Depot has trees in the parking lot. So we still got the Funyuns. We still got the Yoo-Hoo. And then, yeah. And in Georgia, it's really not Christmas trees anyway. It's like these overgrown shrubs, you know, the Leland Cypress. (laughs) It's not a tree. Um, So we finally moved to Oregon. Like, there's Christmas trees everywhere around here. It's gorgeous. And so, you know, when it came time to buy our tree in Oregon, we ordered it off of Amazon Prime. So (laughs) we all have traditions, but sometimes traditions can get in the way of life. And Jesus entered a time in the world where there are lots and lots of traditions Jesus was the Messiah promised to a group of people that were known as God's people or the Jewish people. And the Jewish people are very traditional. In fact, there's a Broadway musical about Jews called Fiddler on the Roof. And one of the songs is called Tradition. It's a big deal. And sometimes these gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful traditions of the Jewish people got in the way of the life that God was offering Now, it's really easy for us to put down the Jews because they missed this gorgeous promise, this amazing Savior, this one who's working, this one who is turning the world upside down. But I think it's so important to remember that we have traditions too. Sometimes church just showing up here is a tradition. And sometimes we click into church mode. And if we're not careful, the tradition of that experience can cause us to miss what Christ is really offering us today. And so without going any further, let's dive into the text in John chapter 7 and try to walk through this and then learn a few things too. 
Let's read the word. The Bible says in verse 1, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. That's a good reason as any to avoid a town. Verse 2, Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers, Jesus' actual brothers, said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, tragic verse. For not even his brothers believed in him. I'm just going to pause here for prayer, but we're going to kind of read and talk, read and talk, and then we have a couple points. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for the word. I thank you that it's not a dry textbook, that it's the living word of God himself. I thank you that we're not just talking about you, but as we just sang, we pray that we would become more aware of your presence. Right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God himself would be in our midst to speak to our hearts, to bring this word to life. Jesus, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Of course, historians tell us that Jesus' half-brothers, because the father of Jesus was God himself. There's a whole story about it. It's called Christmas. You should read it. It's awesome. But Jesus had some half-brothers that were Mary's other kids that were born after Jesus. And they were James, Joseph, Jude, and Simon. And in verse 5, we see that even though these guys grew up with Jesus, even though they saw and witnessed firsthand what a sinless life looks like, even though they were aware of his miracles because they're referencing them here, the Bible points out they still didn't believe. This is so unbelievable to me. Reality was changing around them. But the past was too compelling. They remembered him as just little brother. And you know what? Sometimes I think it can be compelling for us too. Sometimes we can be so snagged up by the past that we miss the world changing around us. So let's talk about this really special time. This was taking place at something called the Festival of the Booths, which if I was picking festivals and you said like, here's an amazing like music festival and here's like the pie eating festival and here's a festival of booths. I would not pick the third one. That sounds kind of boring. But this was actually an incredible time in the Jewish calendar. This is one of three pilgrimage festivals. That means people would leave their house, come from miles around, and build, another word for it is tabernacles, a dwelling place. People would build these temporary tents, and they would just sort of hang out. They would party and, and eat good food and tell great stories and play music. And it was an amazing, wonderful time. And it occurred during the autumn time. This was pumpkin spice latte time. And it was about seven days long. That's a lot of time to be hanging out in huts. It was tons of fun. And there was a very, there was a very specific reason that they were called to celebrate this festival. It was celebrating and commemorating the time the Jewish people, 40 years, they spent wandering in the wilderness. And so it's such an interesting festival, incredible context when we see what Jesus is about to say. This is celebrating a moment in the life of the people of God when they had been too stubborn to listen, they had been too unwilling to believe, and because of that, for 40 years, missed out on the promised land. And here we are now, hundreds of years later, the same people of God are still being stubborn. 
they are still not believing God himself. And not only are they missing out on the promised land, but they're about to miss out on the promised one. You're not a first century Jew, I know that. You have traditions though, and you have a past that can sometimes snag you up. And just like there's such urgency in this moment of John chapter 7, there's urgency in this room today to not miss the one that was promised, the one who wants to meet us here. Now, as I said a moment ago, a lot of times I try to read as much of the story in John as we're walking through it, but um, I really just don't have the time, but I want you to go home. Let me just give you a quick summary of what's going on in verses 6 through 36. Just put it lightly, there's a lot of gut-wrenching drama taking place. If you've ever thought that the Bible is boring, then you haven't really read the Bible. You really haven't dug into what's happening here because you have the God of heaven himself who like invented the world, created DNA, the solar eclipse that we're going to be amazed by tomorrow. Yeah, his idea, he did that. The one that holds the cosmos in his hand has never stopped yearning for relationship with his people. That means you. And even though this perfect, amazing, incredible, infallible God, all he ever did was want you, we continue time and time and time again to rebel. And our rebellion takes different forms. We call our rebellion different names. But when it comes down to it, it's rebellion. And we're chasing after something else rather than God himself. And the Bible says that is sin. There is intense drama just in that. But then this God, this God who has nothing to gain but us, came for us. And he sent his only son, Jesus, this perfect, amazing person who, when he met sick people, would heal them. When he found hungry people, would give them food. We saw last week that Jesus knows you're hungry and he knows what you're really hungry for. And he goes out of his way to take care of you. What kind of a God is this? Not the kind of God that I have to work my way to earn. The kind of God that finds me where I'm at. What kind of a God is this? And so we hear this compassionate, loving, incredible, intentional God. And he's standing here in the middle of planet Earth among these people that he was promised to. And they're ignoring him. And they're rejecting him. And they're plotting his death. And in John chapter 7, you're starting to see things begin to decay. You're starting to see the wheels start to come off in this relationship between Jesus and the Jews. I mean, Jesus kind of picked the fight when he went to the temple and knocked over tables and says, Get out of here. Stop exploiting my people in the name of a system. Stop exploiting God's people in the name of religion. You're letting all of this junk get in the way of the real thing. Let them see me. And so there's a lot of people with a lot to gain from the system. And they were pretty ticked off. And they're still mad. And that's when this gut-wrenching drama of John 7 takes place. It's kind of like if you have a kid or a nephew or a niece or a brother or a sister, like a little kid that you love, that you just kind of want that moment from. And the kid looks at you and it's just like, I hate you. It's kind of like what's happening It'd be like going to Disney World and you see a dad who's like loaded the kids up, like spent his savings on the family to go and get those weird turkey legs and wear those dumb Mickey Mouse ears and just do everything to try to give their family a great experience. And the kid like throwing a massive fit and just like cursing the father out and then running away with another family. 
as crazy as that would be to see, that's exactly the feeling of what's happening here is God's people are rejecting him. Now, if you just read it on the surface, it looks like religious politics, Jews versus Jesus, until you remember the story and how much Jesus loves the ones that are rejecting him. And I don't care how many times you think you've rejected Jesus. He's never stopped loving you. His love for you has never diminished an ounce. And this is proof. This is proof. And I'm telling you what, they didn't just lightly turn their back on Jesus. In verse 15, we see that they're questioning his education. Now, this is like mic drop moment because these are rabbis who are known for their education. And so to be like, if you ask me, like, where'd you go to school? I wouldn't really care. I mean, I went to a good school. I really like my school. But if you ask a rabbi, like, what their authority is, what their education is, that is like kicking dust on them. That is major shade happening. In verse 20, we see that they're starting to question his motives, which is so interesting because their motives were so wicked. Isn't it funny how people like to project what they're really dealing with onto other people? In verse 20, they also start saying that he has a demon, which is just such blasphemy. Because as we know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The demons tremble in the presence of Jesus. And now they're saying that he has a demon. And in 25, we see yet again, they're plotting his murder. And we have indication in the text that this was going on the full length of the festival. Can you imagine seven days of drama? Some of you are like, yes, it's called the holidays. Yes, we go through this every year. There's that tension in the house. Is the turkey ever going to be ready so we can eat and get out of here? Um, it's seven days and it's boiling and they're people and they're not in their regular homes. There's these tabernacles, there's these huts. And Jesus is sort of like, you know, the thorn in the flesh of all these people who want to stick with tradition, who don't want to be bothered by the miraculous present. They're comfortable being snagged up by the past. And at the seventh day, at this boiling point, it all leads to this mind-blowing, world-changing proclamation. This incredible scripture because Jesus is never neutral. He's always turning the world upside down. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, I want you to feel the drama as you hear these words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this, he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's incredible stuff. We're gonna to try to break it down a little bit today. But here's a little preview. Jesus is saying that you can have the teachings of Jesus and still miss everything. He's saying you can have the traditions of God and still miss everything. He says you can still even have a church, a really good church, and it's still possible to miss everything. Because what he's talking about here, the treasure, 
is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is sort of pointing to some truths that are going to happen. Jesus is going to be killed in just a short matter of time. It wasn't for sins that he committed. It was for sins that I committed and sins that you committed. And when Jesus died, every good reason of staying away from God died. All of our shame was nailed to the cross. All of our sin was killed along with Jesus. And Jesus knew for three days death would look like it would be the victor. But Jesus also knew you can't keep a good God down. And three days later, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was vacated and Jesus Christ is alive. And Jesus would rise up out of the tomb. He would be witnessed by people. He would stay on earth about 40 days, seen by 500 people and then ascend into heaven. But the story wasn't over. In fact, it was just beginning. Because 10 days later, those 500 people and some others were praying. And they were wondering about this promise that Jesus is referring to in this moment. And at the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God is poured out. No longer is God's presence behind a veil. No longer is God's presence in a distant place. Now, once and for all, the world is changed. Because the Holy Spirit has come. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what we'll spend some time talking about today. The biggest question is how do you get this Holy Spirit? The Spirit that can change everything. The Spirit that can refresh your soul and change your life and give you power and give you satisfaction and be the prize of your life. How can you get the Holy Spirit? The Word of God says in Ephesians 1.21, in Him, talking about Jesus, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's the story that I just told about how Jesus died for your sins and rose again and all who believe can be saved. When you heard the good news of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus is talking in John chapter 3 about being born again, what he is saying is now you have been born of the Holy Spirit so there's a couple of things we want to point out that Jesus is making reference about the Holy Spirit. And the first is this. According to Jesus, the Spirit is satisfaction. The Holy Spirit is satisfaction. I love Jesus because he's always so audacious. He's never afraid of a fight, especially if it's a good fight. If it's a fight for truth, Jesus is always jumping in. Let's just read that amazing passage again, John 7, 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was speaking this verse to people who would have certainly known this old familiar passage in Psalm 42 when the psalmist had written the following. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. Jesus is saying this whole thing, this whole Old Testament, this whole Bible, it's always been an arrow pointing to me. It wasn't just about a promised land. It was about a promised one. And I'm the promised one. And I don't just want to give you goodness. I want to give you God. Psalm 42 is really interesting. It talks about a deer panting for water. Now, um, as a person who's never hunted on purpose, um, maybe with my car on accident, um, 
But as a person who is not really around deer that much, I don't know so much about them. But in just a little research, I found that if a deer is at the point of panting for water, then that is not a good, healthy place for a deer to be. Deers are really good at watering themselves. They're really good at making sure they stay hydrated. They probably saw an Oprah, eight glasses a day, and they stick to it. But if a deer is at the point of panting for water, the deer is at the point of death means they're about to keel over. And, and this image here is of someone, of a person as thirsty in their soul at that moment where things have to change, that moment of life where the distractions and the coping mechanisms and the outside world are no longer enough, that moment of desperation. Jesus says that's the exact people. Those are the exact people I'm looking for. And the answer is not to change the outside. But as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. If anyone is thirsty like that, let him do better works and get their life together. No! If anyone's at that thirsty place in their soul, let them get cleaned up on their own and be approved. No! If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Receive the gorgeous beauty of God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit is satisfaction. Are you satisfied today? Yes. Luke 13 says this. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask God for the Holy Spirit in your life. First for salvation, to be born again. It's possible to go to church. It's possible to go through the rules. It's possible to know the right answers without really being born again, without really having that satisfaction in your soul. If that's never happened for you, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation to receive this glorious gift, which was not free, but it's been purchased for you. The highest price has been paid. And the offer now is before you. But if you've received that and your soul's still thirsty, ask for fullness. Ask for fullness. How much more will he give to those who ask him? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, And don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Really, the scripture saying, don't be intoxicated by the world. Don't go head over heels for what this place has to offer. This junk, it leads to death. It leads away from God. It's sweet in the moment, but it leads away from goodness. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with sex. Don't be drunk with stuff. Don't be drunk with distraction. Don't be intoxicated by the world, but be infatuated with God. If you want to know what it feels like to really feel alive, see God for who he really is. Is that what your life looks like? It can. It can. That's the beauty of this message. That's the beauty of this hope. There's a second thing that we see about the Spirit. Not only is the Spirit satisfaction, but the Spirit is power. Someone say power. power. This is a dark world. I don't know if you've noticed. 
There's a lot going on all of the time. There's a ton of heartbreak. As we mentioned last week in Charlottesville, it's just another reminder that this hatred goes deep. It's just another reminder that these problems are wide. And we need something to change things. We need something to make a difference or else we're all hopeless. But our hope lies in the fact that if Jesus is alive and he gives his spirit, then there is a power that changes things. And the spirit is power. Look what Jesus says in John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not just refreshing water, not just cold water. In the baptismal yesterday, we got in and the water was nice and warm. We just turned on the jets and we would have had a hot tub. It was nice. I've gotten some cold baptistries before. It wasn't just refreshing water. This is living water. What is this wonderful water? Like, what is this stuff? Can you buy it in a bottle? Is it life water? Is it smart water? I don't know. What is this water? Revelation 22.1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's the source. Verse 17 One of the last scriptures in all of the Bible, one of the things that will be proclaimed into eternity with a loud, thunderous, authoritative voice. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And so the spirit of God today, you need to be reminded, it's power over death. It's power over discouragement. It's power over evil and power over hopelessness. Power over purposelessness. Power to live. The Holy Spirit of God is the power of life. And don't you forget it. And don't you let darkness distract you. The word is true and the word is strong and the word is for you. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk. Anybody sick of talk? The word of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And I wonder what it would look like if there was a church that believed this. I wonder what it looked like if there was a church that said, I don't just want to shuffle along in the spiritual experience in deluded Christianity. I wonder what it would look like if I didn't have to let the world dictate who I was on the inside. I wonder what it would look like if this was not just about talk. I wonder what it would look like if I had power over discouragement and power over purposelessness and power over these sins that nag at me and power to see God for who he really is and be who I really am in him. What would it look like to be that kind of church? I'll tell you what, I'll give my whole life to find out. Would you join me? Not only do we see that the power is there and the satisfaction is there, the third thing that we see is that the spirit is action. The spirit is action. One of our core values as a church Action, restoration, truth, love, and justice. There is no action without the Spirit. None that will last. None that will make a difference. John 7, out of his heart will flow. Ooh, that's an interesting word. Out of his heart will flow. Isn't it so interesting that so many times we make religion and spirituality about what flows into us, what can stay? And Jesus says, if that's your approach to faith, no wonder you're bored. 
Because the Spirit of God is not supposed to sit. The Spirit of God is supposed to flow into you and through you. And that's where the fun really begins. Because when you join the mission of God, united with the heart of God, filled with the Spirit of God, empowered with the glory of God, then you will start to understand the joy of God. Because the Spirit is action. The Spirit, the spirit doesn't sit. The Spirit flows and you'll see this in your personal life as you begin to exhibit fruits of the spirit you'll suddenly have a peace that you don't know where it came from i know where it came from it came from the holy spirit of god it won't be through behavior modification it won't come through trying harder it'll come from a life that is flowing within as you are not filled with the distractions of this world as you say jesus this other thing that i've been taking part in i'm laying it down to make room in my life for you jesus this thing that i'm grabbing hold of over here that used to satisfy me for a second but really dominates my life i want to do everything i can to let go of it so that i have more room in my life for you the bible says to ask for the holy spirit and the bible says don't be intoxicated by the world but instead seek 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 the holy spirit the holy spirit not only will you have fruits of the spirit but you'll begin to love other people that's a real sign of revival right there oh not just if you can jump around the bible says anybody can do that loving people that are hard to love oh that takes jesus <laughs> We don't always have to make it so obvious, too. I know some people, they're like, they'll have a hard meeting with somebody, and they'll come away saying, ooh, I just need Jesus. We're like, you do? But the fact that you keep pointing it out kind of steals the fun. Um, the fact that you keep pointing out how much you need him. But that's okay. It's a good starting point. If we're a church that can love people that are hard to love, that means that something real might be here. If we can put up with people who are hard to put up with, just like Jesus put up with us. If we can reach out to people who are hard to reach out to because Jesus came for us when we were at our worst, then we might be a spirit-filled church. You might be a spirit-filled person. And you can join this exhilarating life. The best part, the spirit gives us the power to say, it's not about me. Whew, that's freedom. Do you realize how much of your life you're obsessed with you? I only have a small hint because I know how much of my life I spend obsessed with me. And you know what freedom is? Not having more money in the bank, although that's not bad. Not having a better place to live, although that's great. Not having a great meal to eat, although nobody's turning down gravy and biscuits. The real freedom of this life is when it's not about you. I'm going to ask for our musicians to come, and they've got a great song. It's really a song that's an extension of our message today. My invitation is pretty simple. First, a question and an invitation. Do you have the Spirit of God in your life? Do you have these fruits of the Spirit? Do you have access to a love that's not your own, a peace that passes your understanding? I'm not saying, are you perfect? I'm just saying that are there areas of your life where you're beginning to experience God's power to overcome obstacles? Are you seeing satisfaction that runs deeper? Are you seeing love that takes you further? Are you seeing power in your life? Are you seeing action? If the answer is no, then maybe you've been in church for a long time, but maybe you've just never given everything to Jesus. And I wonder if today would be the day. 
I wonder if today would be the day you say, I want that life. I'm tired of the games. I want to be born again. Then today is the day. The invitation is simple. If you want him, come. Come. Come and receive him. Come and drink. Come and believe. Lay aside the sand of this world and take this living water and be born again and be changed. I wonder if there's a believer here today saying, I've had it, but I can't really remember what it tastes like. I've had it. But to be honest, today my heart's a little dry. I'm lacking power. I'm lacking in love. I'm lacking in satisfaction. And maybe that's you too. And guess what? His love is enough for you as well. Make room in your life. Make room in your life. Lay aside everything. You know, I moved uh, about a week ago, and it was so interesting as I was out on the side of my house, I had to do something I didn't want to do, open up the garbage cans and clean out the bottom and all the junk and all of the gook. But I had to do that in order to move on. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is just shining a spotlight on those uncomfortable areas. And saying, God, take this stuff away. You don't even have to take it away. You just say, God, take it away. But I release my claim on it. I'm not holding on to it anymore. Because I don't want that anymore. I want you. I don't care what the process looks like. I want you. What would it be like to be a spirit-filled person? What would it be like to be a spirit-filled church? To see a movement of the spirit of God? I want to find out. And that's the invitation today. Would you bow your head for just a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you? If you feel like you have a relationship with God and his spirit is in you, just take a moment and pray. Pray that his spirit would be so evident in this place. Pray he would be so evident in your life. I don't think there's anyone in this room that would say, Aaron, I don't think I've ever really given my life to Jesus, but today I want to. I absolutely want to. If that's you with no one looking but me, would you slip your hand in the air for a moment? Aaron, I've never given my life to Jesus, but today I want to. Just slip your hand in the air. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Put your hands back down. If that's you, then I encourage you right now with head bowed and eyes closed to in your heart, tell God exactly what you want. Just right now. Tell God exactly what you're laying down. Tell God exactly what you believe, that he died and rose again. And give him your life. And if today you're doing that, Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.